Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and bash its boorish adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being book snob is a good thing. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hi, everyone. The two of us both write for thefandamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. Best tagline thing ever. Uh Uh-huh. And as we are rolling around into Game of Thrones Season 7. No, uh, we're not. Season. Babe, it's July, or it's going to be July when this episode's released. So, yeah. Uh... TheFandamentals.com is also going to be your home for, well, unabashed book snobbery, but mostly uh, very, very critical Game of Thrones analysis. Well, so we assume. Maybe the seventh season will be super duper good. Sure. It doesn't erase the sins of the past, but it is possible Mm -hmm. that it will be an incredibly insightful and Yeah. We're very excited about the team we have put together for this season. Yeah, we really are. So we're going to have live blog sessions where we watch the episodes Mm -hmm. and react to them as they happen. We're going to have recap reviews. Definitely uh, Kylie and I are going to be involved in those. I think Kylie might. There's one week where I'm visiting my sister's baby that I might not be able to do it, but we'll try to make do. Um, There's also going Mm -hmm. to be recap reviews the following day by Jess, who is already pretty salty and good at that. So I'm excited for those. Uh, we're going to be having a podcast, a weekly podcast, in this feed discussing each episode, and we're going to be doing that with wardrobe snob enth- and enthusiast Caroline, which I'm really excited about that, too, because you guys can just gush about, I don't know, Michelle Fairley's back, so... Or, uh, Michelle Fairley, oh my god. Michelle Clapton is back. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my brain, my brain. My girl Michelle! <laughs> your girl Michelle Clapton and, and Caroline's definitely going to be a lot mm-hmm. of fun I think to chat with about that and then we are also going to have weekly posts by none other than Turtle Paste from <laughs> T- I know we are like beyond ridiculously excited uh, we don't know exactly what hers are going to focus on um, we're under the impression it's just going to be like picking one aspect and looking closer whether from an adaptational standpoint honestly she can write about whatever the fuck she wants yeah, she we'll could, be like, yeah seriously <laughs> Thank you for the privilege. And uh, here and there, Julia and I will do another piece. Yeah, probably. if we feel so inspired. Or other people might, you know, mm-hmm. you know how those things go. So we are going to have an action-packed seven weeks coming up. Well, like, the, the last episode is, like, movie-length. It's longer than, like... The, the, the magic cauldron or yeah there's there's this interview with uh there's this interview with benioff and weiss that came out mm-hmm. and uh someone said have you seen it but there was just no substance to it all was them was saying like oh yeah we we had a lot of action this season we didn't think we we're going to but we did it's like oh okay is that cool care about? <laughs> uh there's a mild spoiler julia do you want to talk about let's talk about the mild spoilers if you are spoiler phobic, boy, are you watching the wrong feed? Because we do not care about ruining Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, so Alice Karstark, who was previously excluded from this adaptation, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is uh, gonna be in season seven. Okay, I mean, why? Yeah, maybe she's gonna marry a Then 
I mean, we all know what my for, my theory is that um, she's going to have the hots for John and going to be catty with Danny before uh, Danny and John inevitably fuck. That but John theory. already was stabbed. The battle for Winterfell already happened. Like, mm-hmm. what? Why would she just be randomly in here to be catty? If there's any proof that D and D just view a narrative as a discrete set of things that happen, this is it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Alice Karchak has this massive role in the last two books, and that's watch Arian make it into season eight. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody somebody on Tumblr made that comment too. Ah! Yeah, she's just hiding behind a curtain. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we don't actually want to talk about Game of Thrones. No. Uh, so we're not gonna. We're gonna talk about a Song of Ice and Fire right now. Yeah, we're gonna talk about characters who just weren't good enough for that show. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Quentin Martell, who is a character that is actually not good enough for a lot of the fandom. A lot no, of people don't true. like him at all and think his chapters are boring and pointless. I mean, when we solicited asks, um, we got a few. Yeah, so like I got I got this one ask that was like, please reread something else. Totally useless. It read kind of like a <laughs> Trump tweet. And then I just kind of I just kind of answered with like, okay, like who's spitting your cereal? Like I kind of think he's okay yeah. or something like. Or, or I said, uh, even if you find it less compelling, hope, hopefully our conversation will be interesting. Yeah. No, but then I got a follow up, Julia, and we'll just start off with this because this isn't really an ask, but it's the very fact that people need to write countless articles on why Quentin Martell matters should be proof enough that he sucks. Being relevant to the themes of the story does not equal being a good character, which he isn't. Can you just hear like sad at the end of that? No, like honestly, I, I, I think I think Trump has influenced the way we all speak in a very interesting way. Like people have been using the word tremendous a lot, you know. Believe me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like how the tone of your voice uh, indicates that you presume that this uh, anon is a male. I like that. Well, just because someone is related to the themes of the book doesn't mean <laughs> that they're a good character, which he's not. <laughs> well, we, um, the two of us and a few other people on the westeros.org forums actually did a Quentin Martell reread back in the day when we still hung out on the westeros.org forum. We called it Prince Mud. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're going to call this episode because that's what yeah. he is. He's Prince Mud. Oh, Prince Mud. And the color coding for it was love brown because he's like mud. <laughs> Yeah, that was back when we, like, had custom signatures that we did on Westeros.org, and we wanted to make them look really fly, so, like, Arian was red, and, and Prince Mud was brown, and my Tristan Reed Reed was green. Yeah, I guess Tristan Reed Reed is the best thing we know. We, we need to do an episode on Tristan. No, we don't. We can't do Yes, we do. Like for April Fool's or something. Cut this out. Oh, my God. The real Tristan Amorose is chewing his toes and about to get into a box, so... Right. But yeah, so so Prince Mud, we did do a reread, and you know, a lot of the reason we did it, A, we had already done an Ariane Martell reread, and we were just mm-hmm. fascinated to stay with Dornish characters, and B, was that we kind of wanted to see, you know, yeah, it is his panned reputation deserved? Uh, so that's, that's really going to be this, the central theme of maybe this podcast, too. Does Quentin yeah. justify himself, and what does he add to the narrative? Yes. So we are for real gonna do just plot summaries we're not even doing recaps of the chapters just plot summaries right we can do this yes so um off screen what happened is that uh doran finds out that viserys is dead so he's like okay plan b i'm gonna send my other kid of the other gender off to marry the targaryen with the other gender whoa whoa, whoa. (laughs) julia i have a question for you yes 
Who the fuck is Quentin Martell? Who the fuck is Quentin Martell? Well, Quentin Martell is the second child and eldest son of Prince Doran, the Prince of Doran, and his wife, uh, Super Melario. <laughs> Melario, oh my god. Melario of Norvos. It's me, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's like, what, he's five years younger than Arya? Yes, I believe so. He's 18 yeah, so and she's 23, yeah. Yeah, he's 18-ish. And he's he's recently become a knight, and uh, the implications are that... Uh, he earned it like, himself. Yeah, you know, that, you know, he got into Harvard because his, his great-uncle uh, founded a library there. Um, <laughs> <Quite>. And... <laughs> and... Um, so, yeah, he's... He's good people. Um, I suppose you can say when he was very young, he was sent to the Ironwoods to be fostered because of some like shenanigans that Oberyn got into. And so he's basically been like raised by that family. Um, he doesn't seem to be close to any of them, really. Uh, definitely not Aryan, who has. Very oh, close to his, his own him. family. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's, he's, he seems to be very close to the Ironwoods. He was in love with uh, the daughter Innis, but he was too shy to ever say anything to her. And, oh uh, God, Cletus, yeah. yeah, Cletus, the son of the Ironwood son was like his, his best friend, basically. Like they were, they were like, you know, brothers from another mother. And he has a, a group of friends that was kind of from Ironwood. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, just, yeah, there's Garrus, uh, Drinkwater. The hot and... one. What? He's the hot one. If we're and... like, you know, categorizing the squad. And then there's Arch Ironwood. Yeah. Archibald Ironwood. He's like a lesser Ironwood. He's like yeah. tank of the group, I guess. Then, <laughs> so there I two, then there are two dudes who died, so they didn't really mm-hmm. matter all that much. Yeah. And Maester Kendry, I guess, was a jam bud. I don't know. Uh, he knows shit about Essos. And <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Quentin is like, you know, a quiet kind of bookish guy. He's my he, imaginary he's, boyfriend. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's totally Kylie's type. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's trained as a knight, you know, and he seems to be at least like competent at knightly things, but... He doesn't, he's not very martial at all. He's kind of like, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the physicality that you would associate with a knight, I guess you can say. He's kind of like short and round in all the wrong places and things like that. That also just doesn't seem to be where his interest lies Yeah, so definitely much. not. His interests are like, he's not, he is intellectual, but not like exceedingly intellectual either. He's book smart. Yeah. And he wants to be very, very intellectual. But like, Aryan sort of has this natural intelligence about her and but kylie she was super duper depressed and imprisoned and she didn't read the books that were in her room so therefore she's dumb don't you know anything no her mind wasn't you know stopping the entire time but (laughs) the the thing about ariana is that she can leap to horrible conclusions when she doesn't have a data set yeah so like a full data set and uh she can also she can just be a little scattered sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like honey focus but she has, I would say, more of a natural intelligence, whereas Quentin... And there's nothing wrong with being book smart, by the way, because no. being studious can get you very, very far in life. Uh, but that's that's just more of Quentin. He really values intellect as yeah. a quality, and he really works at it. And that's quite admirable. Yes. So uh, Doran basically sent him on this secret mission to... Um, court, I guess you can say, Daenerys Targaryen, because the original plan was for Aryan to marry Daenerys' brother, Viserys, but he, he died. He dead. It's a bad plan, Doran. <laughs> it's a super bad plan, and this one isn't any better. Your plan so, is bad, and you should feel bad. <laughs> so his plan was basically to send Quentin to Danny and just be like, you know, the treaties are kind of sort of counts. We can make this happen, right? 
So uh, <laughs> Quentin is Quentin is off to Marine with no, his I'm buds. Just please, hello, yeah. <laughs> Quentin is off to Marine with his buds. Um, but yeah, like as we say, like most of them kind of die randomly on the way. Like we don't that yeah that happens off screen even, uh, including his his like you know Maester. more or less brother uh, Cletus Ironwood. Oh yeah, Maester. that's bad. Yeah, the Maester who has like all the knowledge that they need basically, and so they're just kind of flailing around trying to get to Marine. Yeah, so they, and, they started out in Planky Town where they mm. were being super loud and making ribald japes about his wedding night to come. Apparently, uh, yeah, so many ribald japes that like Aryan's little spy network got onto it. So. <laughs> My question is, was Maester Kendry getting body? <laughs> I mean, like, Maesters in Dorne are probably a little more body than their northern counterparts. Oh my god. <sighs> yeah, no. So, the first chapter is called The uh, the Merchant's Man, because that is Quentin's disguise, right? Yeah, he's disguised as a wine merchant. And um, apparently, originally, like in Lice, he was supposed to be like the wine merchant and his friends were supposed to be his servants. But he was so bad at pretending to be a wine merchant that his friend, uh, uh, Drinkwater had to take over and Quentin was pretending to be the servant. Guys, this is the man who, from the time he was like Mm -hmm. 10, thought that he was going to be inheriting Dorne. Like... Well, we can talk about that. We can talk about that, but I mean... He's a really important prince. You he's, know? A, he's a prince. He's like, yeah, he's the spare. And like, least like, even if nothing had happened, he would have been like, you know, the spare. He would have been expected to have some. Imagine kind of Oberyn like role in the chafing state. at the idea of pretending to be yeah. a merchant. You know, <laughs> oh, God, Quentin. Yeah. So what ends up happening is the only way they can think of to get to Slaver's Bay because, like, you know, there's a war on. It's not easy to get there. Um, is to sign up with uh, the mercenary company, the Windblown. Because they're singing a song that's like, we are going to Daenerys. Hey. (laughs) So, um, so, so they sign up for the windblown and basically they plan to desert when they get to Marine. So there's, um. Oh yeah, because it it should be noted the windblown are fighting on the, uh, on the slavers, like not on Danny's side. Yes. Um, so they go to, with the windblown to Marine. This is the next chapter. Called the windblown. Right. And they're. Their poor Quint is disguising himself as a squire now. Yeah. And he, he was actually really upset about that, about how, like, you know, he earned his spurs and he doesn't want to be a squire. And, but he does it anyway because, like, you know, Quentin always does what he needs to do. Um, and so, like, it's actually through his point of view that we see, like, the battle in Astapor. And then another, like, serendipitous event kind of falls into their lap where, <laughs> uh, like, the windblown commander guy, the tattered prince, is like, okay, so all you Westerosi guys... They're not Westerosi, they're Dornish, but whatever. Um, um, oh, yeah. All you the guys, you're going to pretend to desert so you can spy on Danny, basically. So they're Chatter's like, we're going to really interesting desert. Interesting dude. Yeah. I don't think I find him as interesting as other people do. He's like, just like, what the fuck is he up to? Yeah, he's up to something, clearly. I just, I don't think I care what it is. So. Oh, no, I don't really care particularly about this theater, I'm just saying. His, his idea was bad, so you think that there's something more to it. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Um. So yeah. So they the frog, get, frog gets a big break. <laughs> so yeah, they desert. They fake slash real desert to Danny, and they're like, "Hey, we want to talk to the queen." And so, what's the circumstance of this interlude? Uh, she's just she. It's from her point of view. It's Danny eight 
or Danny, no, ex- there's Danny's excerpts from Danny six and seven. I'm sorry. I got that totally wrong. Um, she's, she's just holding court and she has people like come up and he just like comes forward and he, oh, I've got 50,000 spears that I can pledge yeah. to you. He's basically like, yo, I'm like, you know, the son of the Prince of Doran and I'm here to marry you for this alliance. Like, right. You know, and my she's, father she's got her other marriage right around the corner. Cause she's already betrothed to his like, daughter. like right around like two days. So this is like wedding and son of Pierce kind of stuff. And this, and this is the chapter that makes everyone hate Danny because she's like, Oh, if only, you know, you were hot, were hot, <laughs> then I totally would have gone with him. And then Barry's like, Oh, she just never chooses those nice guys, but we'll get yeah. to that. I promise. Um, yeah. And so, so she's like, well, too bad. I'm about, to, like, literally about to get married to this other I mean, dude. So she has more practical concerns, too. She says, yeah. are your, so- like, where are they? Are they right yeah. here? Can I use them now? You know? Yeah. With, and like, then, the literal siege I'm dealing with. And then she even brings him to meet her dragons. Yeah, which was, it seems to be, like, kind of a test. He's kind of, like, really freaked out by the dragons, and she's just like, yeah, I don't think this is the mystical consort I need. Yeah, because she was talking about how, you know, maybe there's potential for multiple husbands, who knows, Mm -hmm. but I'm, like, this is my role, these are my dragons, and, yeah, yeah, Quentin got scared, because they're big, scary reptiles. Yeah, I mean, like, he's not, like, it's not like he, like, shit his pants, even. He was just, like, vaguely uncomfortable around them. Like, poor guy. But, yeah, that's not really what you're looking for as Danny and a dragon rider, so. Yeah, and he's, and he's all just like, oh, yeah, I'm totally kind of part-tart too <laughs> yeah which meanwhile, he is but... meanwhile uh, brown ben plum is like cuddling with them yeah yeah and uh, so yeah quentin he, is like you know kind of shooter. yeah he's kind of really upset about this understandably he feels that like he's completely failed and like he's like i just i can't go back to my father just like like this and... like i have to at least like try and, something more and my cousins would make fun of me yeah my sister would scorn me which is like the only like the fucking only time he mentions her by the way um Not that we noticed <laughs> no but um he hatches this like like this is his most martel moment he catches this like crazy desperate plan um or he's like i know i'm gonna steal a dragon and ride it and then she'll know that you know I'm the right husband for her. And this is like, um, this is after she's disappeared, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and he's like still hanging around the court and Barry's just like, you shouldn't be here. You like, should You're going to get leave. yourself killed. Yeah. yeah. And he ends up having to work out a deal with Tatters so that he can like sneak into the dragons. Yeah. And Tatters wants him to help. Like he wants Dory to help give, to give me Pentos. Pentos. Yeah. And Quentin's like, okay, I'm sure that's not going to come back to bite Dorne in the ass. Yeah. This is why everyone who's assuming, like, Arianne and Aegon, like, you guys, they're going to get this news and then be like, wait, Quentin promised what now? (laughs) You're like, Tatters is just, like, showing up. So just like, yeah, so about conquering Pentos. (laughs) Well, fuck. I mean, that's, that's like a hanging thread that hardly anyone ever talks about. I love that. I mean, I could honestly see, like, Aegon being like, oh, I'll help you conquer Pentos. Okay, I guess we'll team up with you then. Like, that's how I could see that happening. But yeah, that's totally a big Chekhov's gun right there. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And so, yeah, basically, poor Quentin. Um, he, he tries. God knows he tries. But, yeah, he basically gets roasted, like, you know, like, third degree burns to 95% of his body kind of stuff. It's... Yeah, he was kind of, kind of, sort of getting somewhere with mm-hmm. Rhaegal? I don't know. Yeah. The one that he was getting somewhere with, the other one, he forgot about the other one. Yeah. The other one was just like, go away, you're not mom. Yeah, and so, yeah, Quentin died. It took him like three days to die or something like that. It was 
No, yeah. Julia, that was really tatters, and Quentin is secretly body Yeah, that, that adds so much. Yeah, and um, obviously we were, like, racing through it most of... Uh, yeah, that's most... it. He's dead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Guys, but yeah that's it. <laughs> most of his chapter, like, we learn a lot about Volantis through it. We learn a lot about the siege. We learn a lot about how things are running in uh, Marine, you know. So... Yeah, uh, that that that's it. That's going the end. Yeah. We can go home now, right? <laughs> well, um, let's get into the meat because this plot line is obviously not um, the plot. Isn't the most important part of this plot line? Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get into some asks later. It's it's obviously not like the plot point is opening a door to release dragons, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, and, and possibly like, I don't know, we over talk- Dorne because they have to capture Pentos now. We talked about how like the most significance that Quentin has, like within the series of a whole, other than that particular plot point, is like in Arian's plot. Yes, because she he is who she projects things onto. Basically, uh, instead of like letting Doran fall in her mind, she just projects a lot of ambition onto Quentin that he totally doesn't have. <laughs> no, because like it's it's kind of trippy to read the stuff that was uh, being talked about before Dance with Dragons came out, where we knew that Quentin would show up at least in some form in a Dance with Dragons, and like the way that Aryan talked about him, like what people were expecting him to be, and he's just like not the least bit like that. He's like, I don't know, she's just on such well, another, well, like... Do, then, you like wanna, do, you, do you want to talk about his relationship with Ariane first? Like, Yeah, I mean... Because we already well, are. No, it's just, you know, Ariane's my girl, so take this with as much salt as you like, but, like, she's just on such a different level from him, you know? Like, well, she's she's also, you know, the main character of the Dornish Theater. Mm-hmm. This is her brother. That's his relation to that, you know? Yeah. And in terms of the different level, like, the the whole point of her plotline in a large way was proving that she truly is the rightful heir to Dorne, you know? And that that is her place. That's where she belongs. And, yeah, you know, I think Quentin's nature, in a way, feeds into that, too. Well, I, th- I think that, like, it just kind of goes to highlight, like, what a horrible mistake Dorne has made in the whole thing. You know? Like, trying trying to, like, put Quentin in basically in Arianne's place for the sake of this, like, crazy plan of his. And just how, like, like you know, like, nature is revolting against that, basically. <laughs> I guess, you know, Quentin Quentin and Arianne were never really close, from no. what we can tell. There's, I mean, there's slight indication that Quentin was a mama's boy, like, mm-hmm. when he was really young. I mean, and there are there is five years between them, which is a huge deal. I mean, like, like I you know you get the feeling that with Ariane interesting, like he's so much younger than her that like their dynamic is like completely. She's basically different. a mother. Yeah, even dress. like you know Ariane says that she's not close to either of her brothers, but like yeah, who else is there for Tristan? Basically, right? Oh my God, Julia, Princess and the Sept is like seeping into my head. I forget what's <laughs> your count and what's Martin's count, and this is. Bad. I know that like I I have to actually be really careful about that too, but like. <laughs> I don't just like if you think about her relationship with Marcella, like I you can kind of I think project that onto Tristan. Project that into her into her relationship with Tristan. Like 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 you know, she never says that like, you know, I'm super good with Marcella, like but like Marcella like worships the ground she walks on. She trusts her ex- like implicitly. You know, like like if, if there was no question that Marcella would do what Ariane asks, even like, you know, like lie to your mother for the rest of your life, please. Yeah, no problem, no issue. Right? <laughs> So, well, I don't know. A lot of people think that that's going to blow up in her face, which it could. It could. Yeah, it could. But 
Like, but yeah, in it, terms it was of, like it didn't need to be shown on screen. Apparently, like this well, convincing Marcella. And in terms of Quentin, I mean, he was sent away when he was pretty young, but we have indication that Ariane was super, super close to Doran, and that Quentin was pretty close to Melario. And because Melario kind of like threw a shit fit when Quentin got sent off. and Yeah, well, like you can speculate about the dynamic of like, you know, like the first child is the heir. And so like, and the second child was just like, okay, this one's mine, right? <laughs> so You can speculate or yeah. you can read the epilogue to Tribunals where I <laughs> made Fire Lord Azumi's family just into Dorne. Yeah, and, but, and um, Melario did, like she... She had trouble adjusting to this whole, like, you know, children as political tools thing, um, which it's hard to blame her for, but... Yeah, it really is. We're not trying to put the fault on her. Um, And then in terms of Quentin and Ariane's relationship, like we said, Ariane thinks about Quentin a good deal because to her, you know, she reads that letter that Dorne wrote to Quentin saying, one day you're going to sit where I sit and rule all of Dorne. And... Ariane assumes that to mean, like, he's going to replace me with Quentin, and then projects all this, like, why would Quentin want to displace me kind of thing. Yeah. Even though, like, you know, there's nothing, there's no question of Quentin wanting anything, especially at that point, but still, like, she's just so desperate not, like, to shift responsibility away from Doran, and she's just... Yeah. Absolutely. And everything she thinks about Quentin is pretty much wrong. Quentin only thinks about Ariane in passing, and like, oh, if I fail, Ariane's going to scorn me. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um... Everything she thinks about him is wrong, but also, like, very right, you know? Like, you oh, get. Oh, yeah, well, like, Danny's not gonna be impressed by him, is something yeah. that she thinks. And just, like, the whole thing of just, like, you know, he's, he's too quiet, he's too, like, like, yeah. And, and even just when she's thinking, like, what the hell does he have that I exactly. don't? Because that, that's the whole thing. Like, he doesn't have any quality that would make him a better leader that I lack. And that's the point. So Quentin frames Ariane's journey, I think, a hell of a lot more than Ariane frames Quentin. Yeah. That's like, it. Sorry. And, like, the the thing that's really interesting to me is that, like, there's no thought in his mind of him in Ariane's position as the heir, you know? Like, there's never... He never even thinks about it in passing, the fact that, like, you he know, for ten years he was the thinks, heir. Yeah. And he now he's not anymore. He just lost like, we don't know. Like, so, like, there's actually people who think that he didn't know about it, you know? Like, I think we have an ask about that later, right? We might, yeah. We'll definitely yeah. cover that if we don't. But, um, yeah, he's just so terrified at the task of hand, and, and his whole mind mm-hmm. is like, how do I do this? How do I solve it? What if Danny doesn't like me? What do I do? That he doesn't even once think about the fact, like, I could have been really Dorn. Ariane should be here, not me. You know, not once. Um, I think we have to talk about his relationship with Doran. Yeah. Um, Quentin seems to have Doran on quite a bit of a pedestal. He's just like, you know, I want to be like him. Except that, like, he doesn't seem to know Doran that well. You know, he has this, he has this impression of Doran as this, like, super wise, like, you know, three-dimensional chess kind of guy. Um, <laughs> he, he's he's a conspiracy theorist in the fandom. Yeah, no, but like he's just like I like I have to be more like my father. My father, you know, has plans within plans. He always makes the right decision, and I can't disappoint him. It's and, interesting because Ariane puts Doran on a pedestal too, mm-hmm. but but he puts very- her. He, he she puts him on a pedestal as a father. Yes, and Quentin seems to put him on a pedestal as prince. Yeah, I, Quentin doesn't really, he doesn't know him. He really mm-hmm. doesn't. There's no way he can. He got sent away too young for that. Yeah, which is something that Doran feels very guilty about. Of course. Of course it is. But somehow, you know, Quentin is really committed to what his father is. And from what we can tell, Anders Ironwood is a very leal lord. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's like a decent reputation there. Um, 
Yeah, well, there's nothing, there's no indication at all that, like, even though the Ironwoods and the Martells are historically have a troublesome relationship, there's no indication that the Ironwoods have ever tried to, like, turn Quentin against Dorne in any way. No, or treat um, Quentin like a prisoner or anything. Yeah. Which he basically is. Yeah, ish. I mean, it's kind of, like, I don't think hostage would be entirely accurate or anything like that, but just kind of, like... He's, he's like human payback, basically, right? Yeah, he was a, a good faith gesture. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's supposed to be like, you know, look how much I trust you, my vassal, I'm letting you raise my son, you know, but... Even though my brother <laughs> just fucking killed your father, sorry about that. Grandfather. Grandfather. Oh my god, Edgar, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> you fucking idiot. It's Oberyn's fault, Okay. <laughs> The 16-year-old was fucking the Paramore, so oh, obviously really he was sad that Orman, This just made me really sad that Ormond's dead. Uh, yeah, well, he would be old. He died when he was old. Okay. Makes me feel a little better. Guys, read a wedding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst. We're the fucking And worst. I can't say anything else without spoilers, but yeah, other no, people were also yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so... It, I think you're right that he puts him on a pedestal, but not not in a paternal way at all. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that Aryan puts him on a pedestal. Yeah, and you know. he like talks about uh, Anders Ironwood, like you know, as a father figure, but not really with much detail ever. Um, he like he thinks about like you know how he's going to tell him that his son is dead, and he seems to be dreading that prospect. Yeah, and he he also seems uh, worried about disappointing Anders with mm-hmm. this with this journey. Um, that's I mean. Do- Quentin has such a commitment to his dad mm-hmm. and to Dorne. It's really quite striking. And, you know, you know you're a Martell when, right? Yeah. Uh, it's that he's just so duty-bound. He doesn't question it. He also seems to have a bit of the uh, communication deficiency syndrome. Mm-hmm. That good old, yeah. MCPS. He's more self-aware in, in a lot of ways than Arianne is. Oh, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But he's also less accurate about his read of Doran. Yeah. And it sort of seems like, I want to be just like him, but you don't know what that means. So he does the things that he thinks Doran would do. He's very reticent. Mm-hmm. Which but he thinks that is a quality that Doran has. Which is... It's true. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, Doran is also, you know, plotting the downfall of his enemies. Yeah. I mean, like, reticent is probably not the right word for what Doran and Aryan are. It's more, like, repressed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> But not, like, sexually yeah. repressed. Like, usually that ter- that term is used, like, for sexually I think Doran repression. is sexually repressed as well, yes. Uh, I think he's just, like, really into monogamy. But, um... Mario? Yeah. He's just, like, you know, she's not there, so he just doesn't think about sex. That and the debilitating gout. He, like, gout, came but... home from his trip and everyone was like, okay. <laughs> this is what I mean, I might have do. a scene in my head that I might write one day, but it's like... <laughs> well, I just... I, had to, I mean, I know he's the oldest, but I kind of, like, always think of Oberyn and, uh... Elia as sort of Boomy and Kaya and like <laughs> just what their reaction would be to Tenson like breaking up with Lynn and dating this like young 18 year old and they'd be like okay I guess that's what you're doing now <laughs> I'm sorry I don't know why I got there was no Lynn in Doran's life though <laughs> no no that's fucking tragic mm. anyway hey let's keep talking about Quentin the focus of this podcast <laughs> Yeah, so uh, let's talk about his friends. Well, I mean, in terms of his relationship, yeah, we talked about how Anders is uh, pretty important to him, but we don't really, that's not really flushed out. Yeah. He wants to make Anders proud. Yeah. And he definitely wants to make Doran proud because he feels that it is his responsibility to make Doran proud, which it is. Uh, 
he was really, really, really close to Cletus, but we don't know a fucking thing about Cletus other than that he's telling... Randy. <laughs> yeah, he told, and he had a lazy eye, right? Yeah, he had a lazy eye, and he like it really enjoyed fucking people, and was always encouraging Quentin to fuck people. Mm-hmm. So and, yeah, if Dorne wasn't stupid, he could have like married Aryan, and that would have been a great Dornish match. I don't even know. If he's Randy, or if it's just that Quentin is so terrified of women... No, no, Ariane is the one who calls him Randy. Oh, Ariane calls him... What the fuck was he doing? Mm. What was he... Seriously, what was he doing at these (laughs) feasts for Ariane to be like, that's a Randy (laughs) Takai? I mean, they... they, Didn't they try to um, set Quentin up with some sex workers and all that stuff, and he was just like, no... Yeah, 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 they did. He didn't want to yeah. he didn't want to have sex with the sex worker and then the drink waters were like flirting with him and Quentin wanted to Yeah, the to drink run water twins them. who are like the um Garris Drinkwater's younger uh daughters and younger daughters, younger sisters, twin sisters, sisters who both yeah. have hots. And Cletus was like, Dude, there's you don't need to be scared of them, it's okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with kissing a drink water. <laughs> No, he kissed one and he doesn't, uh, he kissed one once and he doesn't know which one. Oh, yeah, yeah, cause Quinn was all like, oh, they're too low born to marry me. He didn't want to kiss anyone he couldn't marry. <laughs> and then oh there's, God, uh, yeah, but... he, he was, he had a thing for Innis Ironwood, the, the elder daughter, uh, but he never but said then anything. She went off to go have some, uh, babies. To have some, with, some babies uh, with, um, Ryan with Damon's dad. <laughs> <laughs> we need to know. We need to know what was going on there. Yeah, and the younger daughter, uh, Gwyneth. Gwyneth. She also has a thing for Quentin, and well, she, she like followed him around. Yeah, she's like she's joking about how like he has to wait for her to flower so they can get married and everything like that. And he's also, just like, like, can we talk about how Gwyneth has some good political ideas for Dorne too? Because that yeah, would be a wonderful. That would be match. a wonderful match. Yeah, especially if she's the heir. Especially, which we think she is now. Yeah, I mean, we think. We could have known that is going to die, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. damn her and her fast hands. <sighs> Hashtag Tristan and Gwyneth, man, for life. That's it. We seriously ship it so hard. We ship it politically. Just yeah. so you know, because neither of these characters are on the page. We also have headcanons that Tristan is an accomplished <laughs> finger drummer, and then Gwyneth is an accomplished juggler. So we just have, like, very good hand-eye coordination together. <laughs> Oh, their kids, their kids are going to be, like, fire jugglers. Um, <laughs> Why are we talking about that? <laughs> okay, I think we were talking about uh, how we Quentin... We were talking about Quentin being scared of women. Yeah, Doran and Ariane are emotionally repressed, and he's definitely sexually repressed. <laughs> but, like, I, I mean, and that's probably mean to say. I mean, he's just, like, you know, he's... He's very shy. He's just He's shy. very shy. I mean, he, like, you know, he's definitely interested in romantic relationships, but... Like, he's 18. You know, mm-hmm. an 18-year-old yeah. in our world acting like this, not at all a problem. You know, that's yeah. pretty normal, actually, I'd say, for a lot of college freshmen. But the thing is, in, in this universe, when, you know, people are getting married at, like, 15... Well, that's pretty rare, especially for guys. Well, yeah, I guess they're a bit older. Yeah, you know, he's just an awkward dude. Mm-hmm. He's just... He, did, he didn't like the idea of having sex with a sex worker. He didn't like the idea of, like, just fucking a drink water even though he yeah. could. You know? Yeah. He just... He wants people to like him and accept yeah. him. And that's not, like... That's not ridiculous. And that's almost exactly, like, who I would date or am dating. So... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Um, yeah. I love you, too. <laughs> we're not dating. We're not dating. <laughs> we're four years apart, but we're not dating. Oh, my God. 
Uh, my point is Quentin is all right and I would totally be his girlfriend in this universe. I would okay. be Gwyneth following him around and saying that we're yeah. going to get married. Would you be a drink water? No, I mm, I would probably be a Santagar because of my my complexion. Oh yeah. And I'm just saying would, would you be his paramour or would you only settle for being his wife? Well, paramourage of the heir of Dorne if the other thing is still happening with Ariane and Viserys, like that's mm-hmm. a pretty sweet gig. I don't yeah. know. I don't know, being a paramour of a prince, even even not the heir, would be pretty sweet. Yes. I would settle for anything if I could be in Dorne, let's be honest. <laughs> it's true. And, like, Ironwood is a super nice place to be. Mm-hmm, it seems to be. It's kind of like the green belt of Dorne. Yeah, they have the mountains, they have the breeze. I mean, sure, there's those marcher lords that are dickheads, but, you know. <laughs> Baron is dead, don't worry. <laughs> Quentin is, like, a very realistic character in this way you know mm-hmm. these flaws are pretty reasonable and he's just such a little cutie and i want to pat him on the head and give him soup and instead doran tells him that he has to go halfway across the world on this trip that he's completely not prepared for no. to go woo a woman that he has no ability to woo who has fire breathing monsters yeah so poor quentin <laughs> there is a reason that is a handle yeah you know um all right, so I think I think we hit on his relationships. Did we miss anyone? Like, I, I you know what? His friends, his other friends, Cletus, uh, not Cletus, um, Garrus and Arch, yeah, Archibald. They're super devoted to Quentin. Yeah, I mean, like after he dies, there's a chapter where Barry basically goes to tell them because they're 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 in jail <laughs> for the attempted dragon stealing, and like Garrus especially gets very like you know, um, Arch is more the strong silent type. And Garrus is, like, really pissed off at Danny. basically. He gets a little male entitlement. Just a little. Well, he he basically is like, oh, come on, she shouldn't have rejected him. He was a nice yeah. guy. <laughs> and he says, like, like, yeah, we knew his idea was stupid, but he's our prince and we have to obey him. Um, is basically what he said. You know, he was, he was our friend, but first and last he was our prince. And... Like, that's so fucking Dornish, first of all. <laughs> so fucking, everything about them is Dornish. Like, someone says, are you Westerosi? And they say, we're Dornish. Yeah, which, like, is is our favorite example of, like, you know, um, Dorn, Dorn as kind of, state. yeah, like a proto-nation state, because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dorn is Wales, really. Mm, yeah, because, like, Garrus is, like, like, you know, he's, like, blonde and tall and all this stuff, but he's so, like, aggressively Dornish. And he's named after a, a Roinar prince and things like that. Yeah, and he's really proud of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And even though, like, you kind of get the idea that Garrus is, like, a little schmuck, like, mm-hmm. they're so... Oh, I, I, I'd fuck him. Com- oh, I know. Yeah, they're I know. so committed to this mission. Mm-hmm. and They're so committed to Quentin. to Quentin. Yeah. And that's, you know, it really is a testament to his character that he does inspire this kind of loyalty, even if he's not, you know, he's not Oberyn, right? Yeah. But uh, he, that's okay. Yeah, he does. He he does inspire loyalty. Like that's that's one kind of thing that Martells all seem to have in common. Yeah, even the ones that are a little bookish and nerdy and their tummies hurt. You know, yeah. no, like literally his tummy hurt. Like every time he thinks about having to talk to Danny or any woman, really, he, he's like he's his just tummy so hurts. Scared of that. What if she doesn't like me? How am I supposed to impress her? Dorn, and then he also has to remind himself Dorn will impress her. She'll need Dorn. That's how he relaxes himself on this trip. And that's just fucking tragic. So he sets out, he fails, and then he dies. What should we do with that? <laughs> I mean, it's like a deconstruction, clearly, of the hero's journey. I mean, the, the hero's journey beats 
in this story are like very obvious. You're talking about uh, the monomyth. Yeah, the monomyth of the hero's journey, where like you know you have like um, I actually I wrote a piece about this when we did the reread. You did. It was really, really. I should have, I should have reread it before we did this because I'm blanking on its contents. <laughs> well, yeah. There's there's the call to adventure, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. There's the supernatural aid. The loss the... of the mentor and yeah. Then there's the challenges and temptations. There's the revelation in the abyss, the transformation, the atonement, and the return. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's also, it's almost like like consciously he's just like, okay, so this is the abyss. I'm in the abyss right now. It sucks. But then I like I'm gonna chase these dragons. Dragon and that's yeah, gonna be my transformation. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's not. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because Quentin is very genre savvy, I guess, but he does it all wrong and it gets him fucking killed. So, but here, okay, so cool, Martin. You subverted the monomyth. Uh huh. You killed a nice guy who didn't deserve it to do it. Why? Why? I mean, does there have to be a reason? Well, is it just literary significance for literary significance's sake? I mean, you can point, you can point to things that happen. Like, you can point to plot functions that he has, but like in the end, yeah, I think. Because he's not, he's just like a wannabe hero that fails. What is that telling us? What's that, what's that larger takeaway, though? If, if we're saying all there really is is significance, because these plot points, let's face it, these plot points could have been handled by anyone else. Not anyone else, but... Well, the Pentos thing, I'm struggling to see how that would enter the fold, but... I, who the fuck knows what's going to happen with the Pentos thing, so, like, I, I have no idea. Could be nothing. Could be yeah. Nothing. But um, what I'm saying is, is if, if this is just, I want to deconstruct the hero's arc and have him fail, is there a meaning to that? Could that not be the the meaning? Like, is that not meaning enough? So what's, as readers, we read that and think, oh yeah, there are no true heroes. No. Is that that it? Is Quentin not a true hero? He's a, he's an unsuccessful hero. Yeah, but what does being a hero mean? You have to, you have to like, wars not make one great, you know? Right. So in what aspects is Quentin a hero? His commitment. Okay. But this all led to his demise. So what's the takeaway for the readers is what I'm saying. I mean, I think the takeaway is the deconstruction of the monomyth, because, like, this is a monomyth that, like, the West, at least, has been obsessed with for, like, what, three, four thousand years? Like, from since yeah, Gilgamesh? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they purposely had the mentor die, like, off screen, you know? Yeah. They, Martin, Martin. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I think that the deconstruction of the monomyth is point enough. I mean, like, what else would you want as a point? I'm just saying, do you find that meaningful? Yes, I, I think I do. I mean, because usually, like, like he's not like an anti-hero, you know. Like usually, when usually when this is deconstructed, it's about the hero not being a hero. But there's nothing about Quentin that makes him unworthy of succeeding, you know? Yeah, he's just not really like physically up to some of the challenge. Not not in terms of looking hot. I don't mm-hmm. believe for one second if he had been hot that things would have gone markedly different with Danny. I mean, yeah, like, she would just she just would have thought of, oh, he's hot, but I still can't marry him. That's too bad. Like, yeah. that's, that's really the only difference it would have made. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm saying, like, um, he could have, I don't know, maybe not gotten burnt to a crisp. I maybe. Mean, that's, even that's... By, by having fireproof skin? What? 
Yeah, I don't know. I guess like faster reflexes is what I was thinking. But like, you know, is it is it a point that, you know, he's the hero, but he's not comfortable in the hero's role, right? Like, yeah. he's not comfortable being the merchant. He's But he's worthy, frog. you know, like, because usually like when you have, you have a story like this, it's about like how it's like deconstructing the idea of a gallant knight, right? It's It's like the Sandor Clegane kind of thing. Right. Where like, you know, you have the knight who's actually a complete asshole. And he's like kind of like unworthy of that monomyth, but here it's it's, it's almost as if the monomyth is unworthy of Quentin. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not just like, trying to be too bad or anything. He's I'm good people. Saying. You know, he didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve to have this responsibility thrust on him in the first place. Now I sound like poor Quentin, who's going to blame Doran for everything. But <laughs> well, but I think Doran does have yeah. shitty plans. I think poor Quentin was kind of onto something there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a little hard not to feel like, what the fuck, Doran? Yeah. I mean, I mean if, I guess... if I didn't know that Doran would feel, it's going to feel a lot worse about it than anyone possibly could, uh, you know, I'd be a little more upset with him, but... It's also a timing thing. I mean, he had no way of knowing Danny would turn this offer down. But does he really, does he really have grounds to hope for success? Like, so, like, does he really have grounds to count on that success? No, God, no. Yeah. No, not, not even a little bit. All right, so that brings us, I think, to another question, though. Okay. So the point is the deconstruction of the monomyth. I think so. And the literary significance. And some people, and you know, like that ask that I read in that douchey voice at the beginning of the uh, episode, right? Just because someone has thematic significance doesn't make them a good character. I mean- Would you call Quentin a good character? <laughs> How do you define a good character? I mean, like, I'm thinking about, like, you know, what is art kind of thing, you know, like. (laughs) Does he do it for you? I mean, he's not a character I relate to, but it's literally impossible for me to relate to every character. Um, I mean, like, you know, there, there are levels that I do relate, like, just, like, as a human being, I suppose I relate to him. But, like, you know. I don't, I don't really relate to him at all. I don't think I would have made any of the choices he made. No. (laughs) To be perfectly honest. But, like, I relate I relate to that kind of terror of disappointing people that you love oh, yeah. and who are counting on you. You know, I, kind of like I relate to this idea that, like, you... you know, he has his friends who are just, like, so behind him. And he kind of doesn't feel particularly worthy of that kind of unconditional support. I think I relate to also being in a situation where it's too far gone for him to back out. Mm-hmm. And it just got to this, like, point of how did I let it get this bad? Kind of. I mean, he didn't have much choice. He's duty-bound. But, like, he fucking got burnt by a dragon, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a a horrible way to die, like, seriously. They could have gone home. They could have gone home. They could have, like, yeah. But he wanted to be a hero. He didn't particularly want to be a hero, though. He wanted to be successful as a hero. Yeah. Because then his dad would be happy. And he also read in a book that he was Targaryen. (laughs) That's true. He did read in a book that he was Targaryen a little bit. So then, the big question... Does he justify himself? And I remember asking this question when we did the reread. And I remember our answer just being like this giant shrug. Because, like, on a particular, like, I mean, we already decided. I mean, it's pretty easy to decide that in terms of plot, he's not a strictly necessary character. I mean, there there are a thousand ways that the dragons could have been released. There are other ways that well, we could have seen the Battle of Astapor if it was so essential that we see it. Um, but... I really just think that literary significance is its own reward at the end. And, like, 
I don't know, you can say that it's self-indulgent of the author to have a plot line that's just like, I want to deconstruct the monomyth, and I just want to play with this character a little bit and see what, you know, what meaning I can extract out of it. I, I can see that, especially like, you know, when you have a series like this that people kind of like, you know, they want to know what the fuck is going to happen, uh, how that would be frustrating for people. Um, but I'm still, we still haven't answered, is he a good character? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what that means. Like, I like him. I'm happy to have had his point of view. Sorry? I'm happy to have had his point of view. I think I am as well. Yeah, I mean, I... I, He doesn't... This is exactly the issue that we had in our reread. Because he doesn't particularly have an effect on other characters that he interacts with. Like, I, I don't mean that they're unaffected by him. But, like... Did Danny have to turn down his marriage offer, right, to convince us that she was going to do the Slaver's Bay reform thing? No. Which I don't think that needed to happen. I think I think marrying a dude she's not even remotely interested in proved that. Yeah. The biggest plot impact Quentin had was on Ariane, like we were saying at the yeah. beginning. And that wasn't from his point of view at all. No, I mean, he was completely incidental to that. Yeah. So it's really just a question of, like... <sighs> Why? Why? But I think there's always a value in an author trying to play with something, first of all. I really do. Even if it's... You know, it's it, it's such a... I think, like, call. Martin as an author is so consumed with this series. Like, it's all he's really writing anymore. That, like, when he has some kind of creative impulse, it kind of has to be in the context of Westeros. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if he just has this compulsion to write this particular theme he's just like well i I have to work it into a song of ice and fire somehow (laughs) right does that make any sense yeah yeah i I, you know i don't think i have a problem with that but i i think i can see how other people do yeah and i think i i have people you know it's it's funny because i i think the issue is that a lot of people read books for the okay i I don't want to say this is an issue we're very people snobby, okay? Read... Just accept that about us, please, dear listener. <laughs> people tend to read books, especially fantasy books, for the plot first and foremost. When you're reading something like Hundred Years of Solitude or uh, Things Fall Apart, you're not reading for the plot. You're reading for other reasons. The plot matters and shapes it, but you have other reasons why you're reading it, right? Like, that's that's what you were doing in class, basically. But for sci-fi, for fantasy, for genre, right? You read it for the plot. And what happens is with you look at each arc, why the fuck did I just read four chapters for this dude that dies? And that's just the takeaway that it is. And it's like, but don't you remember that feeling when you first read that he died? Weren't you like, what the fuck? Yeah. Didn't that stir you emotionally? Didn't that frustrate you? Like, I think engendering that reaction, like you said, deconstructing the monomyth. I think that's a value. I think what people kind of don't realize, I suppose, is that that frustration is a legitimate response to a text. Yeah. And And it could be the intended response to the text, you know? Yeah, like, I think it's a fruitful response to the text, Mm. too. It It definitely can be. And it's not just like, I mean, I know that we're going to sound crazy because all we talk about, remember, you know, D&D pulled the rug out from under us on the show all the time, right? Like, all of a sudden this character just dies. But it's not that Quentin was a shock death because there's absolutely nothing shocking about entering a room full of dragons and getting burnt. Mm-hmm. But I suppose, like, you can say that, like, it's hyped in a way that makes you not expect that. But that's kind of like, what am I trying to say? That's the fault of the monomyth. 
you know, because we've seen this story so many times. And maybe that's the point, too. That's why deconstructions are effective. Yeah. But is that cheap? I don't know if cheap is the right word. Yeah. It's something. It's... It's a little easy. Provocative? But, like, provocative with a bad connotation. What's the word? Um, oh, oh, yeah. Like, uh, no? No, 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 because it's like that he's just, he's just going for that, right? Yeah. Hold on. It's, it's like... It's not gratuitous, right? That's not the word? No, no, no. It would be more, um... Salacious? Sensationalist? Sensationalist? Sure. Maybe, uh, (laughs) shameless was suggested as a synonym. (gasps) Inflammatory, ish. I know like exactly Sarah what Huckabee you're Sanders. To say. <sighs> I don't know. Um, no, like I, I know exactly what you're saying because it's it's not cheap, but he is going for specific gasps and kind of a fuck you. It's but it's not gasps. It's it's an oh yeah. I have to think about this. Yeah, but is it a problem that he just wants the readers to do that? Is that like mm, yeah? That's the question. And how is that better, quote-unquote, better than what D&D do? Because they don't want us to think. Okay. They just want us to go, oh my god, can you believe it? Yeah. I'm gonna text my friend. (laughs) (laughs) What they get get for is cheap. I would say what Martin went for isn't so much cheap as it is, it wasn't like trolling, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think it's trolling, but without the puckishness that's inherent in that idea. Yeah. Like, he, he's not like, hey, I'm going to troll my readers. Just like, I'm going to troll my readers. I'm going to fuck them up. Yeah. In a good way. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't think it's because he has a commitment to being a guy that subverts expectations either. I think mm. it's just like, I think he legitimately just wanted to do this. <laughs> yeah, I think provocative is fine. Okay. But... I mean, just does he justify himself? I'm gonna have to again shrug. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I hate this. Yeah, it depends, like, what you want from the text. And I sound like the most giant snob that's ever existed. But yeah, like, it depends what your expectations for the text are and what you want from it. And and you know, I think what makes us sound snobby is that this how snobby right here, we are. <laughs> this is exactly what we want from texts. Yeah. We want to be having these maddening conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's exactly what we look for. And that's, you know, it sounds snobby because it's like, oh, we just understand it on this higher plane. But that's not, that's not what we're saying at all. I don't know. Um, I've been listening to this podcast, which I mostly recommend. It's called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, where, um, it's basically like reading Harry Potter as if it were the Bible, like, but not oh like as though it were, as though it were like some kind of unerrant text, but just like, the idea is that, like, when you read a text as sacred, you kind of have faith that the more work you put into it, the more meaning you'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that's the... not that deep. Well, they make it deep. You know, the Bible isn't that deep either. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, but it's you it's a dude getting swallowed by the whale. Yeah, but like, like you kind of it's it's not the text that gives it the meaning. It's you are thinking about the text. And so are you saying that our discussion of A Song of Ice and Fire is approaching a level of zealotry? No, not, no, I'm just saying that, like, it's, like, even if you can argue, even if you think that this character and this plotline doesn't have any value, this discussion that we're having right now definitely has value. Oh, I agree. 100%. Right? And, like, if we, if we kind of, like, you know, have faith in the idea that this character has something 
to teach us, then that's what gives it the value. Can may I play devil's advocate? Okay. What about all the people that rate those really smart academic books on Game of Thrones? Well, yeah, I mean, that discussion has to have some kind of inherent value. Just like our criticism of Game of Thrones has to have some kind of inherent value. So is there a value to the, the asks we got saying that Quentin's worthless? Well, no, because that, well, yes and no, but that, then you won't get any value out of Quentin, right? But that's, it's kind of... Yeah, no, I know what you're it's saying. It's a valid no, reaction not. to not like a character. You don't have to like every character I like, you know? <laughs> I like Quentin. I don't know yeah. that I like Quentin's character. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's yeah. nothing not to like about Quentin. He's just, he's a mensch. Mm. Like, it's a little too much of a mensch. Just... He's a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a schlamazel. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Yiddish word for every occasion when you're talking about Quentin Martell. Hey, we should get to some Quentin Martell asks to close out this podcast. Oh, oh, oh another question we had, actually. Um, we did this whole reread, and then it was like five pages long in comparison with Ariane, and we had already talked about Ariane in depth mm-hmm. for four threads on the Dornish debates, like yeah. in depth. So we finally get to the Ariane Martell reread, and it's like, it like went on for 19 or 20 pages. Like, yeah. And just every chapter was like this revelation, and we're just like, oh my god, this is the best character ever. Poor Quentin, we just... Yeah, I mean, Ariane, like, we had, like, assigned chapters to particular people, and, like, the rest of us also wrote essays about that chapter, too, you know? Just it, organically, it just yeah. happened. Like... And then with Quentin, we assigned the chapters, and then afterwards we'd just be like, good summary. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I mean, I wrote... I wrote that kind of finale about him where I kind of dissected the hero's journey and everything like that. And Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I actually reformatted that for Tumblr. Well, we can link like, that, right? Yeah, it was like a... should probably reformat just... that for Fundamentals at some point. Yeah, we can do that. Easy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the the thing is, why why don't we want to talk about Quentin? Mm. And I think it's... I mean, like, even, like, half the time we fucking saying. talked about Dorn and Ariane in this fucking podcast. Like, yeah. It's horrible. not that there's not much to him. It's just that it's pretty, like, it's very accessible what's to him, you know? His anxieties that are driving him, they're right there and explicated because he's a very, very introspective guy, but also a very self-aware guy. So that helps. He kind of just, like, lays this stuff out. You see him struggle. You see the choices he makes. And it's just, like, it's very linear. It really is. It's also kind of isolated. Mm. And I think that maybe adds to some of it. Like, the most area of discussion we ever got was talking about Danny's character. Yeah. When he interacted with her. Barry's character interacting with Quentin. And Ariane. Yeah. It's not Quentin. I was just thinking about him as isolating. I mean, that's something he does share with Ariane and Dorn. I mean, I know you meant it in terms of, like, his plot being isolated. I'm just thinking of his character. Like, the way that he keeps his own counsel. Yeah, that's, that's, he's definitely Martel. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, definitely yeah, Martel. he definitely has that in common with his fam. Does not have the sass. No, he does, does not, not have, have Martel sass. Poor guy. But he has the, <laughs> he has the duty, he has the, mm. uh, deficiency, the, the, the communication deficiency, yeah. um, the absolute, like, devotion yeah. to the fam. But he doesn't, he doesn't have Martel face. No, he doesn't have Martel face and he doesn't have Martel sass. And yeah, but, like, the Martel is so, so strong in Dorne that, like, he still yeah. kind of has that, like, first, he was our prince thing going on, but like, yeah. Should we get to the asks? Let's get to the asks. Uh, Katie the Cowardly Lion gave us this ask probably a year ago at this point. Oh my <laughs> it's god. Been, it's- we love you, Katie. She's a frequent asker of questions. 
I don't remember. Actually, this might have been with our, our latest inbox hour, mm. which was just a few months ago, but still, like, we, we kept this. So I guess this is a, qu- a question for whenever you do the Quentin Martell podcast, but I was listening to your Feast Dance podcast, and you were talking about Quentin and leadership, and how it's just not one of his skills. It's not. <laughs> what do you imagine Quentin would have done with his life if he never had to go to SS to meet Danny? Like, what even are his skills? What does the second son do if they're if uh, they're only kind of martial? I'm not hating on Quentin, but there's just something he could have done. Um, he would have married somebody important. He would have read a lot. Yeah, he would have maybe had... He probably would have come up with some nifty ideas for Dorne's tax yeah. codes. Uh, he could have been, like, a good counsel yeah. to Ariane. I mean, like, that seems to me like what the younger Martell children are for, to be married out and to kind of, yeah, to be advisors. <laughs> yeah, I think he would have, he probably... He would have been really good at that. Too. Yeah. Like, he would, he, like, you know, he'd be, like, you know, as somebody's political husband, I think he would have done a very good job and in he's, some he's aspects. he's good at observing the chess boards. It's mm-hmm. just that when he has to move for himself, it's not so great. Yeah. I mean, um, like, when you say that he's not, like, yeah, he's only kind of martial. It's not that he's, you know, he's not, like, you know, Sam Tarly, who's just, like, doesn't have any aptitude at all for martial things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's... No, he he can hold... He did... He's a knight. Yeah. He is a knight. Um... The, like, footage, like, does he do anything even remotely, lightly, even once? Like, I guess he, he has sure. that battle, right? But, like... He's a squire. Yeah. Yes. Like, there's no action in that battle, really. But, okay. yeah, he earned uh, his spurs. I mean, he must, like, you know, he passed the driver's test, basically, right? And he didn't let Oberyn, like, cheat to give it to him, either. He wouldn't let that happen. Okay, the next question. Uh, for the Quentin podcast, the biz- the biggest plot impact, quote-unquote, in his storyline was releasing Rhaegal and Viserion. So how do you think that could have played out without him? Uh, literally anyone could have tried to steal the track. Yeah. Uh, also, what do you think was the last time him and Ariane communicated with Malaria? I think they probably write letters to each other, right? I mean, he th- he does think about how, like, one of these days he should go to Narvos and visit his mom. Yeah, actually, like, when he's realizing that, you know, he might not make it out of this situation, he's like, oh, that's something I wanted to do. Like, I want to go visit mom. I, w- I want to go home and marry Gwyneth Ironwood and visit my mommy. <laughs> and I'm, oh, not, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Uh, mm. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of Ariad, I'd certainly had canon letter writing. Uh, that's also because I've read A Princess in the Septum. <laughs> well, she, like, fails to write her a letter in Princess in the Septum, doesn't she? She, like, gets really mad, and then Tyene's like, okay, oh. take a fucking chill pill. <laughs> That's what basically what Tyene does in that story. She falls Ariana around going, like, take a fucking chill pill. Also, just go fuck Damon, okay? Also, I poisoned the septa. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, but, like, I love that stuff. Quentin is definitely closer to Mario Marius. Yeah, I'd imagine a lot of letter writing. Mm-hmm. In terms of timeline, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think that the last time they saw each other was probably when she left Doran. Like, there's no indication. Kind of the yeah, there's no indication yeah. that either of them did any travel in between. No, and he's, and he's like, lamenting that he didn't get to Narvos, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, okay. Anonymous said... <laughs> he had to do this in a silly voice. Why'd that bitch Daenerys have to friendzone Quint and get with that asshole Dario? Quint was such a nice guy! You can't see the capitalization she... of this. <laughs> it's definitely sarcastic. If she'd given him the love he so rightfully deserved, the poor kid wouldn't have died. This is definitely sarcastic. Yes. I mean, there's no question. There's just random capitalizations. Yeah. But you have to understand how realistic this is to so many posts we've seen on Westeros.org. Holy shit. Um, 
yeah, like we said, I'm that bitch Daenerys probably would have friend zoned him no matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he- the thing about these kind of male entitlement arguments, I mean, it's not about what Quentin deserved. Like nobody's disputing that he deserves to be loved, <laughs> you know. But like, why should Danny <laughs> exactly? I'm sorry. There's no way her his death was on her. No. I'm pretty sure she said, like, don't touch my dragons, yeah. bye. <laughs> and, like, she made a political decision to reject a political alliance. Yeah. I mean, For very good reasons. Yeah. People, if, if he had showed up with 50,000 spears, Yeah, and, then... like, you know, politics is inherently personal in this setting, but, like, he didn't... She made the choice yeah. that she had to make with the cards she had on her It hand. wasn't personal. <laughs> it really wasn't. It really wasn't because he wasn't hot. Like, yeah. shut the fuck up, Barristan. <laughs> She's not, she's not Ashara. Get over it. Yeah, and Ashara didn't reject you because you weren't hot either. She just wasn't that into you. Just wasn't that into you, dude. She wanted to have sex with a giant asshole. Yeah. So she did. (laughs) Um, Okay, that took a turn. (laughs) Okay, I just like commenting, said. No need to answer this until you get into the podcast, but it occurred to me on reread that Feast Dance was that when Feast Dance was all one book, Martin might have originally intended to write the final two Quentin chapters, which I've always found less of a chore than the first two. Or only intended. Only intended to write those two. I would love to hear your take on that when you've read them. Um I think it'd be a little hard to have those chapters without any setup to Quentin. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but like, you have to get in the character's head a little bit before you can pull the rug out, right? Yeah, I mean, like, timeline-wise, like, it's kind of interesting because, like, um, the Merchant's Man kind of happens right around the time that the reveal happens of the Fire and Blood thing. Fire and Blood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd right. be really cool in a visual adaptation if you, like, crossfaded to, like, from that conversation to, like, Quentin and Melantis or something. Like, oh, if there was a visual adaptation. visual adaptation. Yeah, that would be so cool. Please. But, um... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I I could see that Martin maybe thought that, but you know, the way that the chapters are presented now, it's really hard to imagine those two falling away. Yeah, so. I mean, I think in the Volantis chapter, he got a little carried away with like the setting, which I don't. Oh my, my god, anymore. we had to read so much about the politics of Volantis. <laughs> well, Quentin was just like kind of distracting himself, I think, with his book reading. Yeah, I mean, I find it interesting, mm-hmm. but, like, that chapter was long. Yeah, but there's a and- lot about the politics of Valantis in A Dance with Dragons. I mean, like, Tyrion goes on about it at some length, too. About, like, yeah, elephants and tigers like- and things like that. It's probably going to be important. Probably not as important as, <laughs> that. as Martin. Martin just really wanted to give that detail. <laughs> well, he did all this world-building well, work. He wants to get it out there. I do that, too, sometimes, mm. with my own shitty fic. I like your uh, shitty fic, shut up. And then my the second chapter of Quentin, I agree. I like can't get through battle chapters. Yeah, I'm bad at it. I mean, it's not uh, an especially detailed battle chapter. It's like it's no Blackwater. No, nah. no. Actually, ooh, hey, the next sauce ties directly into it. Uh, how affected were Quentin Martell and his party by their participation on the attack of Astapor, where they pretty much just butchered young castrated boys? Ugh, God, I don't like thinking about this. Um, but well, okay. I mean, it's it kind of goes back to the whole monomyth thing because like. In a monomyth, this would have been a centerpiece, you know? And in this story, it's just kind of like, you know, Quentin doesn't like to think about it. So he just kind of glosses over it in his narrative. He's like, we were there, it really sucked. You know, I really never thought about that. But yeah, like, this would have been the action and the... This would have been like, you know, episode nine in a visual adaptation that didn't get the point of the plotline, for example. I think they were... I, I think they were affected. I think had they had time to be home and dwell on it, it would have been a little bit different. But they're in this journey. They have this task on hand. 
all focus is going on that. I think I think it's a purposeful. I think it's Sansa and Jane Poole. You know, you try not to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and we try not to think about it. Really. Do you want me to read the next Moving one on. because you've read all of them so far? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, even though I, like I your voice. yeah, I suck at reading things out loud. Um, even though like I'm literally trained to read stories to children. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a the, the many contradictions of Julia. Yeah, Quentin has always kind of reminded me of Catelyn. Obviously, they're not mirrors to each other in a lot of ways, but in their devotion to family and doing their duty, they seem very similar. Also, Catelyn never thinks about how she'd make a better uh, Tully of Riverrun than Edmure, and Quentin once. Once the plan for him to be Prince of Dorne is over, he never dwells on the life he missed out on. He just accepts it and does as his father asks of him without question. I think that's quite insightful. That is. Ooh, they're both duty-brained. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds dumb. Uh, that's really insightful. I wouldn't have made that connection at yeah. all. Thank you for writing that in and on. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it means. Um. But I do like cinnamon rolls. Oh, yes. I like cinnamon rolls. But, um... Yeah, the whole thing about, like, they're so duty-brained that they don't, like, question their role in life, I suppose. And, yeah, I think that's connected to the next one. Um, Given that Quentin never thinks about being the heir to Sunspear and never gives any thought to the possibility that anyone but Aryan would have been the heir, would it be off-base to suppose that Doran never sent the letter Aryan found? (laughs) It seems very Doran-like that he would start writing a letter, read what he had written the next morning, and then decide not to bother sending it. I mean, I think he would decide not to send it because, like, maybe he thinks maybe this isn't information I should be sharing with a nine-year-old <laughs> more than anything. There's, I feel like Quentin would have had to know the plan. Really? I don't know. I mean, eventually, like, at what age? But then he also didn't tell Arya the plan ever. Yeah. I mean, he had to have known the plan, like, at least at the latest right before he left, right? Yeah. I mean, he never yeah. thinks about I mean, it. He never thinks I could have been the Prince of Dorne. Yeah, so like bizarre. He, he does at least find out what the original plan was. Yeah. He knows that he's plan B. Yeah. I mean, does he so, never he make the connection? I mean, like... No, he would have made that connection. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a smart, smart guy. guy. And he doesn't treat it like that was a bombshell, you know? Mm. No, he literally like, never if, thinks about it. How this has, like, changed like if, everything for if him. If he had just found out, oh, you were going to do... Th- I feel like he found out eventually. I feel like yeah. Doran sent letters eventually. Maybe not to a nine-year-old, but... yeah. But, like, the same way that, like, you know, Edmure is the Lord of Riverrun now, and he's kind of being all Edmure about it, and, like, Cat never thinks, like, oh, before he was born, I was the heir. Like, really? Never? Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's, I mean, like, you're tempted to think it's an oversight almost, you know? Like... Maybe it is. Maybe it's an oversight. I can't I see how it could be, because mind- it's just so, like, you know, like, this This is the man who I- wrote Arian. Like... Yeah, I'm, I'm of the mind that Quentin knew, and mm-hmm. he just... I mean, it, like, I think, like, what we decided, I think, in the reboot is that he was just so relieved. Yeah. Right? Like, that's probably... Yeah, like, that is if, where we landed. If I, were, if I were an actor portraying this character, I think that's the decision I would make, that he was just so relieved by the idea that he wouldn't have to be Prince anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. That That's, that's my headcanon. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever find out. Yeah. So I don't think this. I mean, Quentin's matters. dead, so there's a lot of things we can't find out. Yeah. All right, we've got one more, um, which is from by uh, by. It's from Mitchy Ferangst, who writes a lot too, and it's a little joking. But do you think Quentin deserves a Darwin Award? I mean, what part of Let's Go Steal Two Giant Fire Breathing Fucking Monsters sounds like a good idea? I get that the kid wanted to be a hero, but there is heroic and there's a hundred percent genre point. He's he's genre savvy. He's just. Savvy to the wrong genre. He's, 
Yeah, exactly. Shadow or Sammy to a fault, really. That's what it is. A Darwin Award. I mean, I it reeks of desperation. That's a very Martell-like quality. Yeah, when Martells get desperate, they don't make good plans. Mm-hmm. See every single Martell. <laughs> See this plan right now that Quentin was acting out. The queen like, maker. Not, no, like like Doran ha- sending him on this fakakta mission. Like, yeah. That's, like, no. No, but like literally every single Martell who has any kind of narrative space have has had this moment where they're desperate and they make a stupid ass plan. So. Mart Oberyn wasn't exactly desperate. Oh, he was desperate. He just leapt at an opportunity that was fucking dumb. Yeah. After Dorne was like, don't do this. I <laughs> don't know you're specifically do this. Do this. <laughs> if it, you can go to King's Landing, but please do this. Do not do this one <laughs> Don't day. punch any Nazis. <laughs> when my father traveled to Europe a few months ago, I was just like, <laughs> don't punch any Nazis. So how I feel. Dorne must have said to Oberyn. <laughs> Why didn't you want your dad to punch Nazis? Because I didn't want him to end up in like Polish jail. <laughs> You can't Nazi punch? You can't Nazi punch. I mean, assault is illegal, even if it's morally justified. (laughs) You know, just... Nah, nah, I get it. Um, yeah, so he's definitely Martell. He he deserves a Martell award. Yes. What he really deserved was a hug from his sister. Yeah. She's gonna have such guilt when she finds out what happens to him. Oh my god. She's still talking about him, like, do I have to call him king? That's fucking weird. It's Quentin. Yeah. He's the least. She really has, she has a design on this character. Can we talk, by the way, just for like a second? Can we talk about how awkward, you know, like, Doran's birthday feasts must have been? No, because like, no, I just picture Arya just, like, saying all these, like, passive-aggressive things to him, and he just has no idea what the fuck is going he's on. Just, like, this poor, nerdy teenager who's like, why does my sister hate me? Why are my cousins making fun of me? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. And then Cletus is, like, making Randy jokes in the corner. Oh, I think she slept like, with him. You think Arya slept with Cletus? To upset Quentin. <laughs> Fucking would. Mm. She fucking would. Oh my god. I just love someone please fic like teenage Arian just being fucking horrible to like a twelve year old Quentin. Not not sleeping with Cletus at that age, but just No, like, he's a bit older than Quentin. Cletus is? Oh, okay. Then sure, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And then y- Innis is like making eyes at some dad sitting there, I guess. Dorn. Alright, I I'm I i do not have anything else to say about Quentin. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm no, like I'm glad we do like him a lot. We promise. <laughs> yeah. Any any closing thoughts, Joya? Yeah, I, I like him. I do. I I wish he didn't die. I wish he didn't die. I wish he didn't dead. die, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, the next you're gonna probably be hearing from us is gonna be no, no. It's not that close. It's not one. that close in time. No, it's not gonna happen. No, ever. No, it's never. No. We're two weeks away. No, it's it's Julia. it's Julia. It's Game of Thrones that was cancelled and Sensei was renewed, right? That's what happens. Sense Sensei is actually gonna have a two hour yes. finale to close things out. I know. That got approved, so that was that's nice. Yeah, I mean but like Game of Thrones got cancelled, right? Because it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. They cancelled Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> cancelled in our mind. Julia. Not this Sunday. No, it's just Not I'm Sunday gonna have to Sunday. like drink a lot of alcohol and I'm gonna gain all the weight I lost back. I don't think that's gonna happen. But not this Sunday. Not the Sunday after. That's what I think is but gonna the happen. Sunday after that. I love you. We'll get through it. 
No, seriously, Kylie. I lost 60 pounds, and I'm going to gain it all back because of Game of Thrones. I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be the next feed. However, um, we're still going to be doing a Song of Ice and Fire episodes as mouthwash probably after that season ends. Maybe even in the middle. I don't know what our schedule is going to be looking like. Depends how desperate uh, we get. We might yeah, we might have, have to Martell to... or something and just like desperately put out a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. Yeah, and I have to like travel to Wichita, Kansas at some point in here. So to get a silver award? No, to uh, talk to trash people. <laughs> you can show them trash cans. Literal waste haulers. I'm not being rude. <laughs> I have to talk to waste haulers. Kylie's job is way uh, more interesting than you would imagine. This is one tiny facet of it. Yeah. She likes to show, she likes to send us pictures of her standing next to garbage cans. That's me. I'm a garbage person. Um, yeah, just standing next to the family. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's where, where you're going to be hearing from us next. Uh, as always, you can check out our writing on thefandamentals.com, which is also going to be the hub of Game of Thrones coverage, like we said. Yep. We have a shop full of salty merchandise, uh, a dramatically satisfying t-shirt, which is very comfortable. Do you think Quentin likes chicken? I don't think Quentin would be making chicken jokes if that's what you're asking. Quentin wouldn't make jokes. Man, that dog is barking. Yeah, that, that's cookie. It's fine. Joy has a cookie barking in the background. Uh, if you liked this podcast, please tell your friends to listen to it too. Mm-hmm. And maybe write us a review. Yep. That helps us get found. Yeah, we don't Getting have we don't have nice. any reviews on the Finland iTunes store, for example. If you're in Finland, write us a review in Finnish because I think Finnish is a hilarious language. What? I don't know. I want more iTunes reviews. In Finland, specifically. <laughs> All right. So, and also will... in um, Indonesia, we don't have any from those either. Other than that, uh, you might not know this. I don't know how much we've mentioned on this feed. Julia and I co-host another podcast with our friend Gretchen called The Fundamentalist, where we try very like consciously not to talk about Game of Thrones and we fail every single every episode. Time. But it's a general geeky fandom podcast. We have a lot of fun recording it. We choose a variety of different topics. Uh, the last episode we just recorded, we were gushing about uh, Black Sails and um, Steven Universe, just two of our favorite shows. Uh, sometimes we just pick tropes to talk about that kind of stuff. So you should check us out there. Yeah, The Fandomentalist. You'll be able to find it in on the fundamentals or in you know iTunes. itunes on your podcast app yada 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 that's all we're gonna get out of your hair so thank you guys so much for listening and we will talk to you next time bye everyone oh enjoy this original saltarello yes oh yeah god we should explain that shouldn't we? we should so um quentin is the reason that we use the saltarello because um so <laughs> i was obsessed with medieval music and medieval dances for like this couple month period a couple years back and i found this video of like four years ago joy we've been friends for a while yeah well it was like like these like this like group dancing at a ren fair it was this like young man like late teenage man with these like three young women and they're like dancing around him and he was just kind of standing there just like looking completely disturbed by the fact that there are these women dancing around him and i sent the discount and i said i just found quentin on the internet (laughs) Those are the Drinkwater Twins. <laughs> and it's so perfect. He looks so... And and uh, Gwyneth, Gwyneth is... Yeah. <laughs> he looks so uncomfortable and so fumbly and so stumbly. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, this is absolutely perfect. So And then we discovered, yeah, that there was like literally thousands of covers of this tune. <laughs> 
Yeah, so the uh, the saltarella that you're hearing, mm-hmm. it's the what they dance to, like the the same exact recording. Yeah, just before death walked right in front of them. <laughs> yeah, which is oh my god, it was so fitting. Yeah. I'll probably have a I'll probably have a gift. Yeah, we have gifts. Yeah, 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 we have all the gifts. But yeah, all right, that is all. Uh, so goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. is you know what yiddish word quentin is what's that nebish oh i think you've been calling him that for a long time actually yeah and my boyfriend's <laughs> let's talk more about your boyfriend kylie shut up did you get over your lesbian face um <laughs> wait what kate you're straight now bi- right <laughs> how can bisexuals exist when i myself am straight <laughs> how can you be bisexual if you have a boyfriend didn't uh, Larry King ask that of Anna Paquin, if you can believe it? Okay, and she's like super nice because she's both Canadian and Kiwi. So what did she say? Kind of, she just kind of sat there with this bemused look <laughs> on her face, like, "Well, I'm married," or, or like, "Well, well, I'm married, but I'm I'm still bisexual." You don't stop being bisexual. Yeah. And Larry was like, <laughs> like "I don't I understand." Mean, He's a fucking crypt keeper. Like he's been he's been married is. eight times, so he should definitely comment on monogamy and the institution. She just marriage. sat there with this like uncomfortable look on her face. Like, do I really have to explain bisexuality yeah. to Larry King right now? This is not what I thought this interview would be.